0: Good evening LCM. Tonight is November 20th, 2019 and we continue our finish strong series with this sermon entitled finish strong, pursue it. Somebody say pursue it, pursue it, it. man. What a good time we had on Sunday. Didn't you guys have a good time? We did up here. So I hope that you did as well. We studied Isaiah 43 and learned a few important things from that passage. Turn with us to Isaiah 43 and we are going to start where we started on Sunday.
1: Pursue it, exactly. Isaiah 43, 1. But now this is what the Lord says, Who created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel. Fear not. Y'all remember that phrase? Yeah. Fear not, for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. The, one of the first things that we began to impress upon you in last Sunday's message was to fear not. Has that been rolling around in your hearts and minds the past couple of days? It has mine. It's blessed my socks off. The next thing that we talked about was we learned when
0: you. Somebody say, when you. you. Verse 2 says this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. We learned on Sunday that we need to have a when you kind of attitude. We should be expecting difficulties to come. Not yeah. if you are going to encounter them, but when you encounter them. Difficulties in the life of the believer are a necessary... Somebody say necessary. Necessary. They're important. They're an integral part of your formation. Yeah. This is supposed to create in us the necessary attitude of someone who has been called and summoned by name, by the God of all creation. This is supposed to form in us the overcoming nature that is
1: only fitting for someone belonging to the God of the universe. Somebody say, "Win you win you in verse seven, we picked up everyone who is called by my name. Raise your hand if that title fits you. Everyone called by my name, whom I created for my glory. We relate that created to being born again by the revelation of heaven, whom I formed all oh, that forming process, experiencing the salvation of God over and over again. Formed through the difficulties, rivers, waters, and fire, and made, see we've gone from created, formed, now made into something worthy that God can proclaim his testimony through, meaning you, your testimony. As we move forward for
0: tonight's sermon, as each of us here at LCM is beginning to learn how to crush fear in every way and every day, that is one of the main takeaways that you should have had from Sunday. How much fear permeates us as believers. How much it is there in most of our decisions, and most of our thoughts for most of the day. But see, at LCM, we're going to learn how to crush those fearful thoughts. We're not going to be surprised when they encounter us. We're going to know that when they come, we have the God of all creation with us. Now tonight, we want you to turn to Genesis chapter 14. We're going to see how God might build on Sunday's uh, sermon to instruct us tonight. Genesis 14, and we're going to start in verse 14. Say, pursue it when you're
1: there. Pursue it. it. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men. 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Now, Abram is the father of our faith, right? And then we see that He has already developed in his household before this circumstance a win-you attitude. It wasn't if he was going to have to defend himself. It wasn't if he would have to go pursue his enemies. It was a matter of when he was going to pursue his enemies. They had raised up in his own home 318 trained men. I want to show you a slide. This slide is the distance that he traveled to pursue the enemies that had taken his relative captive. So the very bottom would be the starting point. The very north would be up near Damascus. This is a four-hour car ride, right? Four-hour car ride venturing into a few other countries as you go further north, so you have to dodge some of the car bombs that would be going off. But three days on foot traveling. And it's not like it's flat terrain around here. Rugged terrain. Mountains, valleys, some pretty difficult things to go through. What kind of tenacity would it take for Abram to have 318 trained men travel three days on foot at best from these two points? I'm sure there might have been some concern about logistics, some concern about water and food and all those things. But that didn't mean a zip and compared to pursuing his enemies as far as he could to utterly destroy them and take back what they had taken from him. Let's look at verse 15. During the night.
0: Somebody say during the night. During the night. When everybody else is sleeping, guess what Abraham is doing? He's getting ready for war. During the night, Abraham divided his men to attack them, and he routed them. Come on now, while others are sleeping. While others are trying to find their comfort, real people of God who understand how to pursue it are saying, yeah, this is not a time for comfort. This is not a time for me to be afraid of the dark. This is a time for me to get our house in order that we might make war against the enemy. See, Abraham is making war. See, that's what you got to do today. See, let's not talk about fear not on Sunday, and you haven't figured that out by what we are supposed to do. Now that we're not supposed to be afraid, now that we are destroying fear in our life, what are you supposed to do now? What's the next thing that you step forward and do? Can you just continue to fear not? Or is there something that God is telling you to do? See, this is what Abraham did. At night, he divided his men. He found out the best way to utilize his resources. And he went and attacked. See, like Gideon. Do you remember the story of Gideon? How he divided his men into different companies that they might better attack the enemy? That's what Abraham is doing. Yeah. He said, I am so confident in this. I'll even have a smaller group here. We'll have a couple of smaller groups that will attack these people. And then what did he do? The Bible says that he attacked them. Somebody say attacked. Yeah. Come on. What does is, what is your attack position look like? When you begin to engage the enemy, what does it look like for you to attack the enemy? See, there are different formations in military that they say, it's time for an attack position. we got to get ready. We're, we're poised. We are moving forward. And we are... Our senses are heightened. We're, our muscles are tensed. Our face is pursed. We are ready to attack. And that's what these men did. But they didn't just attack. They attacked them and then they routed them. Yeah. When you rout an enemy, it looks like you come in with such force, with such precision, with such overwhelming power that the enemy is dispersed. And in a chaotic, panicked kind of way, they go running in any direction that they can find. This is not a formal retreat. He didn't attack them and they retreated. He attacked them and routed them. Yeah. Amen. See, when we're dealing in fear, we're the ones who are routed. We're the ones who engage in panic. But when you're doing this the right way, we've got this in hand. Look at what it says. He didn't just attack. He didn't just rout them. He pursued them. Somebody say pursue. Pursue. See, you got to keep going after the enemy. Just when you think you've won, yeah, keep going after until it's completely done. He pursued them as far as Hobab, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods. Say all the goods.
2: All the goods. And
0: brought back his relative Lot and Lot's possessions. So what did Abraham do? He got back all of the things that were stolen from him. And then he also brought back Lot and everything that belonged to Lot. Together with the women and the other people. See, when you're in an attitude of pursuing something, you don't just stop because it looks like you won the day. You want to make sure that wow. these guys are never going to come back and bother you again. Yes, You're going to put these enemies underfoot so much, so far below your feet, that they will never, ever be able to recover after you're done with them. That is what we're talking about tonight in pursuing it. We don't stop until we've recovered everything. That the enemy has tried to steal from us. You want to steal from us? Fine, you took it there. I will come and get everything and you will never be able to move after I'm done with you. This is the attitude that we must have. Are you all with me tonight? If we are going to move on from what the Lord has been speaking to us to what we must encounter, to what we must do, we have to develop this finished strong attitude that says, I'm going to pursue it. I'm I'm not just going to not be afraid. I'm going to go pursue everything that the Lord has for me. Come on now, are there promises that God has given you that you have uh, kind of rocked back? You've kind of sat down on it and going, ah, that seems like it's awful far. I mean, it's, it's like three days by foot. Man, it's kind of rough terrain between here and there. This is not what Father Abraham did for us. We pursue until we gain victory, not only for us. Not only for our family, but for anyone who's even attached. Anyone who's thinking about being part of this family. We're going to go fight and we're going to pursue and
1: we're going to win because God is with us. Yeah. Saying since Pastor Wade stepped down off the stage for a little while, I'm going to step down too. I haven't done this since I preached. I, got, I have to try it out. Are we family? Yeah. Amen. When Pastor Wade is teaching on this. How many of you can reflect back just to the past three days? And since hearing the last message of fear or not, there's been some circumstance that has arised at an inconvenient time, more than likely at night, where all hell broke loose, and it took you by surprise. That you didn't realize what was actually happening to you, that was something warring against your confidence, trying to instill fear in you. And by doing so, you begin to remember the things in the message Regain your constitution, begin to fight back, intercede and pray until your child was back home from the hospital, until that chaos, wherever it may have been, was finally squashed. Reason that we're giving you the encouragement that we are tonight as a family member is that there is still that same attitude that needs to continue to pursue. That what maybe that circumstance that happened between Sunday night and tonight was to spur you on to get a grip on a pursuit attitude. That we don't stop pursuing the righteousness and the power of God just because we got back home and everything is okay now. Our children were near death 12 hours before. Now they're just coughing and we relax a little bit. No, we have to continue to pursue until we see everything wiped out. Do you want to pursue an attitude? Then listen to us as we help ingrain these principles and biblical truths as well as our experiences. That's why we ask you to attach to our way of life. Many of you have texted and asked, should we do this or should we not? And you're teetering on giving in to some level of fear. And what you'll hear from us all the time is a pursuit attitude. We're going to press into the kingdom. We're going to press into fellowship. And we're going to press in until we have complete and utter victory. Amen? Amen. I'm done down here. Come on, as you turn into Isaiah 51, we're going to look at verse 1.
0: You will do well to get what we're saying tonight. This is not a difficult word that we're going to bring to you. I'll I'll just just let you in on a little secret. This is not designed to attack you in your brain. This is designed to move your heart towards action. You will do well here in this place. Everybody look up at me. You can find Isaiah 51. I promise it's not that difficult. You will do well to have the attitude of which we are speaking to you tonight. Understand the attitude that we are trying to get across to you. If you have this pursue attitude, you will not fail. Uh, I don't know if I know as much as you guys. If you have the same attitude that we have, you will be able to have the time to learn what we learn. We're going to give you everything we know. But forget trying to think about this from what you think you know you got to have an attitude. Somebody say, I need an attitude. I need an attitude. you got to have an attitude that says, I'm going to pursue it. And I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to keep going. I'm a little tired, but I'm going to keep going because I have nothing else in me except to pursue what God has put before me. Yes. Look at Isaiah 51,
1: verse 1. Listen to me. You who pursue righteousness. Who is the Lord calling to pay attention those who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. When you have that pursuant attitude, and by pursuit, I mean pursuing the right order with God, pursuing righteousness before God, then your ears are opened up and able to shma. They're able to listen with the intent to obey. When we're not pursuing righteousness, when we're not seeking the Lord, our ears are clogged up. And we ask the Lord, why aren't you speaking to me? Well, he is. But your heart is not in the right position to seek righteousness or pursue righteousness and to seek his face. We begin by laying the framework here in Isaiah 51 with the call to those who are pursuing righteousness and seeking the face of the Lord. Look at the next phrase. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which
0: you were hewn. When you pursue righteousness, when you are seeking the Lord with all that you have, We are found to be of the same substance as Abraham, the man that we just read about in Genesis 14. And we are the same substance of the 318 trained men born in his own household. The idea of having 318 men that are just in your household blows me away. Boss. That is a boss kind of thing of him keeping to gather people. Others coming and coming to him and gathering. Plus his own family that builds to 318 men trained, ready for battle, who were just waiting for the direction, and they ran towards yes. it.
1: Yes.
0: There's a phrase that has said that you're a chip off the old block. I just want to tell you, according to this verse, it should, it, that's, that phrase should be, you should be a chip off the old rock. You should be one that is cut from the exact same material, the same quarry, the same source, the same substance which you were hewn. By the way, look to the rock from which you were cut, from the quarry from which you were hewn, those are not uh, gentle processes that take place to get of the same substance, is it? No. Isn't that kind of a win you attitude that you need to have? If you're going to be cut from a bigger rock, if you're going to be hewn from the quarry, you've got to have the same purpose. You've got to have the same substance. You've got to have the same attitude about you that the men of God had in the Bible. You understand what I'm talking about, Nick Rosales? This is what I'm looking at. This is what, I, what we want. We're saying, listen to us tonight, church. Yeah. We feel like we have a word from God for you you got to have the right attitude. Amen. Yeah. You got to develop the right attitude. If you don't have it, if you're too timid, if you're too passive, if you're too much in your own head to understand what I'm saying, it's time
1: for you to get the right attitude and pursue what God has. Amen. Look, we continue in verse two, look to Abraham, your father and to Sarah who gave you birth. Well, listen, church, when you have that right heart of pursuing righteousness, seeking the Lord, you begin to obtain that same substance inside of you that was inside of Abraham, that was inside of Sarah. And when you have that same substance of that couple, you begin to produce the same kind of faithful fruit as that couple. When you have a pursuant attitude and you take on that same demeanor that Abram had to pursue as far as Damascus, and you apply it to every area of your life of seeking God's will, and you don't stop until you get there, you're going to produce things in your life that will bless the nations. It will first begin to bless your household, then begin to bless those around you, but it, it will continue from generation to generation. It goes on to say, When I called him, or when I created him, he
0: was but one. But I blessed him. What does that mean? The Lord began to form Abraham through the adversity, through listening, through calling him through this right attitude. And he made him into something. He made him more than he was at the beginning. Anybody want to be made into more than you were at the beginning of this thing? Yes. Come on, this, this is derived from this attitude. We have one of our mottos at this church is right behind my head, right above us. It's one life that impacts one family, that is then made into something that can impact a nation. This is what we're seeing in this verse. When I called him, he was but one. What were you when God called you? Yeah, I'm not sure that I was a. I could be considered a full digit. I was not even a full one. A broken one. A scared one. A wounded one. But see, what God did is he blesses you He puts you in this kind of church that you can be formed, that you can have the edges, the rough edges taken off of you, that you might become something more than you started out to be. See, you can make yourself something, or you can let God make you into something. You can try to have all the control of your life that you want, or you can let God make you into many. This is the only way that this happens. In Abraham's case, he was at least 318, just by Genesis 14. See, and now that many includes us. It wasn't just that the 318 was even the important part. That's just where he started from. He started from one. By Genesis 14, he's at 318. And now he's impacted the world. See, this is the kind of attitude. We want you to reflect the very attitude of Abraham that God may call you and bless you and make you into
1: something that is so much more than you could be without it. Saints, what you're hearing from us is that this is a scriptural standard. This isn't an option. This isn't just something to be championed in Pastor Wade. Or something to be heralded in Pastor Matthew's life. This is a scriptural precedence that has built the kingdom since day one. It has built this church since day one. It is part of every facet of our lives. Because when one man has a deep conviction, enough to pursue God's will until it is done... It results in raising up disciples that will do the exact same thing. You know, with this church, I have no fear. I have no worry about facing the gates of hell with you. Because we have been trained over and over again in the small daily things. And sometimes the big things that happen throughout the years. I know that you will stand side by side with each other and with us as we come against hell or high water. That you are like these 318 trained men, but you know what we expect you to do? Is continue to pursue this way of life that's been laid before you. And go make some more disciples. Go get your 30, 60, and 100 fold. Go make 318 that are just like you, pursuing it in the same manner. Turn with us to Joshua chapter 8.
0: Joshua chapter 8. As you're turning there, I want to let you know where we are in the story. See, this is the story of I. This is the second battle. This is the second battle against this group of people. In chapter 7, we found out that Achan stole things that were rightly dedicated unto the Lord. That it cost him his life for those selfish, greedy things that he did. See, there was a first loss that the, the people of God had. Here's where the loss came from. It's because they failed to act rightly. Make no mistake. You and I fail for the same reasons, though, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let me let me just be your pastor here for a second. I'm, I'm stepping away from the podium here, pastor. Fart, far, <laughs> I love that, brother. Far too many of us in this church are so afraid of making a mistake a good word. that you fail to do what you are actually supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. It is a much worse thing for you to fail to act rightly than it is for you to try to do something and make a mistake. You don't really believe me when I say that to you. You cannot be afraid to make a mistake. You must pursue righteousness. Um, Megan, would you put James 4.17 on the screen for me just really quickly? If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for you. Yeah, but I just didn't do this. Yeah, I knew that you were supposed to. You knew that you were supposed to go get it, but you failed to act. In Joshua 17, the people of God failed to do things. They failed to inquire of the Lord in the first battle, and they lost. They failed to keep themselves holy and pure. They failed to drive out greed and selfish ambition. They failed in a few points. And that is what caused the defeat of God's people. Do you think it's any different today? But pastor, but pastor, I have my stones in my pocket. Hey, man, thank God for your stones. Tell me about one of them. Well, on this stone, it reminds me not to be wicked. Oh, good. What are you going to do about that stone? Uh, uh, I'm not going to be wicked, pastor. You didn't hear me. No, no, no. You're telling me what you're not going to do. I, I'm not going to be afraid because my stone says, Fear not. Fantastic. What are you going to do about it? This is the look that I get from people. Uh, uh, If I come up to you and ask you to pull a stone out of your pocket, first of all, you should have them. Second of all, if you can't tell me what you're supposed to do about that stone, perhaps you're exactly what I'm talking about here. I don't know what to do. I just am trying to stay away from not being bad. I'm trying to stay away from something negative. Nope. What are you going to do about what God has said to you? You've got to go pursue it. Yeah. Yeah. Pursue it doesn't mean that you stay there and not get yourself in trouble. You know how you not you get yourself in trouble? You go and do some righteous deed. You go yeah. put your hands and stay busy with what God has called you to do. Yeah. Yeah. Church, you need, you need to hear me. You need to hear me tonight. What are you supposed to be doing? doing for the kingdom this is what has not only built this church it builds the kingdom this is the right attitude that we have to have look we often try to define our walk by what we don't do the biggest mistake you may be making in your life is what you're not doing i i, I didn't do this i didn't mess up today how was your day well i didn't mess up too many times that's not a righteous day no. you're just trying to stay away from wickedness how about you love righteousness and go towards that what that, that thing that I'm talking about that fear has kept you from doing. That person that you failed to pray for. That bold step that evaporates before you like a cloud as you remain in your seat. Righteousness should be defined by what you are doing for the kingdom. See, in the first battle, they failed to inquire of the Lord. But in the second battle, they were victorious because they pursued God's instructions. There's a difference there. In the first battle, they failed to seek after God's will. In the second battle, they were victorious because they pursued obedience. In the first battle, they failed to keep themselves holy and unblemished. In the second battle, they were victorious because they pursued glory and honor for the King of Kings. They failed to eliminate greed and selfish ambition in the first battle. But in the second battle, they were victorious because they pursued the enemy wholehearted. They didn't let one of them live. They went after it until it was done. Then they burned down the city. Then they killed the king and put a pile of rocks on him. (laughs) That's pursuing it. You killed all the people. You burned the city to ash. You killed their king. And then you stuffed a pile of rocks on top of him. Yeah, if you don't treat your enemies that way, you're missing the attitude that we're saying tonight. Let's look in verse 20 of Joshua 8.
1: As we look at this, a couple things came to mind as Pastor Wade was sharing this with you. Do we have the right to fight battles other than the ones that the Lord has directed us to? No. It's a very obvious statement. How many times have you avoided going back into the same battle that you once previously failed in? You've avoided stepping right back into it Facing it head on, pursuing righteousness, because you're afraid of losing again. Wow. As we pick up in verse 20 of Joshua 8, this is where they are. And as Pastor Wade has enumerated so well, they had a different attitude. One that started with holiness and obedience to what God did tell them to do. We cannot back up from the battles that we once failed at, and the Lord is telling us to step up and pursue it again and again and again. Verse 20 The men of Ai looked back and saw the smoke of the city rising against the sky, but they had no chance to escape in any direction. For the Israelites, who had been fleeing toward the desert, had turned back against their pursuers. This was an ambush. This was something designed and orchestrated by God to lure the enemy in his confidence of beating you again so that the Lord could have you turn around and pursue your pursuers. Could have you face your enemies, drawing them with their own puffed up and prideful confidence. 21, for when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city, and that smoke was going up for the city, they turned around and attacked the men of Ai. when the Lord sets up an ambush, He is setting up your victory. But what it may initially look like is being routed in defeat. Where fear is trying to press you, to move you out of the pressure of their circumstances. But when you are obeying the voice of the Lord... What looks like running from your enemy is actually him rerouting you to turn back into your enemy and pursue them until utter destruction. Amen. Look at verse 22. The men of the ambush also came
0: out of the city against them, so that the men of Ai were caught in the middle with Israelites on both sides. Israel cut them down, leaving them neither survivors nor fugitives. Man, that that is an incredible way to say that. But they took the king of Ai alive and brought him to Joshua. I promise you they end up taking care of him shortly. When you conquer fear, even the areas that have been previous losses can now become the perfect environment to gain absolute crushing victory in your life. Wow, I, I thought that was much better than what you just said. Say it again. I'm just going to say it again. Pretend it. like you didn't just respond the way you did. When you actually conquer fear, church, when you get this pursuit type of attitude ingrained in you. Even the areas that were previous losses in your life. That becomes the perfect environment to gain an absolute crushing, overwhelming and permanent victory. Yes. That should, that should start moving your heart. Maybe you're used to hearing too many things while we're preaching. Maybe you're used to hearing things and not letting it settle in on you. We need to have people who have areas of previous loss previous lack of shalom in your home, previous things that you now are not afraid of because you got your heart right and you are so pursuing righteousness, you are so seeking the Lord and what His face is and who He is and what He's going to do in you that you are able to turn those places of defeat into a crushing, overwhelming, permanent victory in your life. See, maybe we don't actually believe that we can have permanent victory. Because we're still walking in the fear that I know I've tried that, Pastor. I know you're trying to inspire me and I appreciate it. But see, you don't know I failed. It wasn't just once. Did, I didn't just mess up in the last chapter of my life. I've messed up in every chapter of my life in that area. Well, then it would be about time for you to decide to pursue this correctly. Because the problem is not with God's ability to be able to crush the enemy in your life. This is exactly what we need to have. We have a same battle, but it's a different attitude. They got to pursue it. Joshua is holding a spear up. He's pointing them in the right direction saying, yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep doing it, keep pursuing it, go after this thing. Having that kind of attitude allows them to burn the city down, to leave neither survivors nor fugitives. Victories will never be defined by what you don't do, church. How you doing? Well, I didn't sin today. Your victory. That is not a yet a victory. A victory is not defined by what you don't do. Victories are defined by what
1: you do. Amen. Come on, it's time for us to pursue it. Say, pursue it. Pursue, pursue it. it. Let's turn to Psalm 34 in verse 14. Say, pursue it when you're there. Pursue it. As you're turning, I just want to share a personal experience that I and Cassidy have had, and I think most of the people in this room I've shared many times from the pulpit that for the first three years of our marriage we struggled to have children. There's miscarriage after miscarriage. And month after month, having negative results on a pregnancy test. You guys know, I know you a lot of you in this room have been there. Despair begins to settle in. And that question comes in your mind. I don't even want to try again. I don't want to go through that heartbreak. But we are standing right now with a children's church that is busting at the seams. Peyton and Hannah, where well, Hannah's having the baby, but Peyton and Hannah are having a baby tonight. We're standing in the fulfillment of having an attitude that says, I don't care, I'm going to pursue it. We have to fight for the promises of God. We can't sit back and wait for them to be delivered by Amazon. Psalm thirty-four, fourteen. Turn from evil. Say turn. Turn. And do good. Say do. Do. I want you to write this in your Bible next to this verse. That's how serious I am about this. Evil equals fear. Evil equals fear. To fear anything else other than God himself is to elevate that fear to the equal status of who God is. To fear anything other than God is sin. And it's not doing the good that you know you should do. I don't say it in an absolute manner. The Word says it in an absolute manner. How important, how intense and tenacious can we be to make the impression on our own hearts that fear has to be declared as evil unless it's fear of the Lord. And when you take it at that stance, that standard of God's Word, then you automatically recognize it and say, no, I'm turning from this. I'm teshu I'm repenting of having any inkling of this fear in me whatsoever. And in its place... I'm actually going to start to do something. I'm going to go find something good to do. Something obedient to my king. Righteousness being expanded upon my actions in order to replace any existence of evil or fear in my own life. We turn from evil. We do good. We seek peace.
0: And we pursue it. See, this is a requirement that you seek peace. That you inquire of the Lord to find His right order. Lord... What do you want me to do today? Lord, what do you want me to do about this situation? If he is the ruler, if he is your maker, if he is your creator, and you are not seeking to find out what he wants about situations, you're failing to perform what this verse is telling us to do. It is a requirement that we inquire to find the right order of the Lord. We seek peace and pursue it. We want to show you a slide of what this word pursue is. Rodolphe. This is a word that means to run after. That's the way you would say pursue. That makes sense. But look at, look at the next phrase. To run after usually with hostile intent. Oh yeah. Yeah. To have hostile intent. See, it's not, I'm just not pursuing this. I'm going after it. And I, I, I've got hostile intent about this. I've got something that's driving me to do this. Yeah. There's a tenacity. There's a, there's a bite to what's going on. This is not just me walking behind. This is not me following someone. Follow the leader, the leader. Oh, that's pleasant. This is to go after something with a hostile intent. Somebody say pursue. pursue. With, hostile with hostile intent. Let's talk
1: about a few things that the word gives us. Oh, one of the first things that come to mind is in Numbers 25, There's Phineas driving a spear into sin and wickedness in the camp. Jael
0: in Judges 4 demonstrated hostile intent in her pursuit as she was driving a
1: stake into Sisera's temple to defeat an enemy of God's people. Pastor, you want to hear about hostile intent? I'm talking about Joshua 10, where he is crying out to the Lord to stop the sun in its sky so that victory could come upon Israel and defeat their enemies. Come on, you want to start talking about pursuing
0: with hostile intent? Read what David has to say about his enemies. Read how he's going to beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. How he's going to pound them and trample them
1: and pour them out like mud in the streets. That is pursuing someone with a hostile intent. Oh, what about Elijah on Mount Carmel with hostile intent, taunting the prophets of Baal, taunting the demonic God, saying maybe he's still in the bathroom. And that's why he hasn't come down and answered. Think about Jehu, who
0: was furiously pursuing his enemies with an absolute hostile intent. He was intending, planning, yearning that every last one of his enemies be put down. That's
1: pursuing someone with hostile intent. Oh, look, there's Beniah, with hostile intent, pursued the king's enemy and put them to death. I mean, he was a slayer among slayers. (laughs) With hostile intent, Jesus. Somebody say Jesus.
0: Jesus. Uh, would, uh, Megan, would you put acts 1232 on the screen? Acts 1232 with hostile intent. Jesus said, you go tell that Fox, I will drive out demons and heal people today. And I'm going to do it again tomorrow. And on the third day, I'm going to reach my goal. That is pursuing something with hostile intent that he would press on. And in three days he would reach his goal. He would fulfill what God told him to do because he had a pursuit mentality.
1: There's Paul. Paul had a hostile, vicious, fearless pursuit that wanted to march all the way to Rome and stand before Caesar. Even having the opportunity to be set free, he still appealed to Caesar because he had a hostile intent to pursue the full and complete will of God, even at his own expense. Come on, somebody think about Elder John.
0: Not just our Elder John. He also pursues with hostile intent. But I mean John the Elder... Who with hostile intent wrote the first, second, and third John to eviscerate sin and the life of every believer. Yeah. In first John two, verse 15, it says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, God's love is not actually in that person. Yeah. See, John has, has a hostile intent. He is pursuing something with, with an intensity because he's trying to save your life. Yeah.
1: This is exactly what it has to be. First John 3.8, he who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Don't you like the plain speech and candor of John? He's speaking right to the heart of the matter. And then he puts the icing on the cake. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. It wasn't to hand out lollipops and tell everybody that he loved them. He came to pursue the finality and end of sin and its effect in all creation. Do you know what pursuing with hostile intent does for you?
0: It immediately begins to eliminate the superfluous. Yeah. See, if you're going to actually run a race, you don't see people start putting on backpacks, big heavy boots, big, big tool belt on them. You don't see someone about to go pursue someone like that. You see the exact opposite. You see them throwing off Every sin, every weight that so easily entangles that they can run after what God has. You're trying to get as light as you can because you're going to have to run as far as you can. You're going to have to go as long as it takes for you to get there because you've got this hostile intent in your pursuit. Come on, we need to have a pursuit with hostile intent as we're finding shalom for our own homes. I mean, not just barely getting to it. Not I think I'll get to that. I thought about it last week. I thought about it last month. But we've got to seek shalom and pursue it, go after it and get it every day with every member of our homes. See, no fearful thought is safe when you've got this pursuit kind of mentality. It's true. It cannot stand in this house. You know why? Because I'm going after it. I'm trying to find it. Pastor Matthew is trying to find it in his home. Many of you in this room yeah. are trying to. You've got to go after it, though. You can't just acknowledge it and go, you know, it'd be easier if I just didn't do this right now.
1: Well, it's really not that big of a. Deal.
0: It's really not that big of a deal. I mean, the kid is tired. I mean, my wife is tired. I mean, the, our child is tired. You have to go after it. No fearful thought is safe when you're pursuing things rightly. No lack of resolve will be tolerated when you're pursuing it rightly. No if you get into difficulty, last in your house if you're pursuing things rightly. Think about it. Ask yourself, husbands. Am I a husband? That is pursuing with hostile intent to get my home in order. That his testimony may be seen in my family. Not somewhere else. Not some other time. Not in some future day. But today. What am I going to do today to make sure that my family is going after and being a part of his testimony that is being increased in my life? That is the kind of pursuit that we are challenging you to tonight.
1: Another area of hostile pursuit is in financial discipline. How many times have we made oaths and verbal commitments to the Lord and to other people that we then find excuses after the fact to renege on and justify purchases on things that we really want, but didn't want to have to wait for? You know, Pastor, I really, I can't wait until I go on a missions trip with you and be able to go bless Aguas Calientes, Blas Peru, wherever it may be, I just, I need to save up some money. But I'm going to go spend all the excess that I have on what I want now. And I'm just praying for the Lord to add a lot more extra so that I can go on the missions trip. Financial management shows a level of heart management. And when you have your heart right before God, then your financial discipline gets right before God. You begin to have a hostile intent to overtake whatever goal God has put before you. You're willing to sell whatever needs to go. You're willing to deny yourself any comfort or even necessity required to get to the financial goal to accomplish what God has called you to do. God had to wreck my soul. God had to work shalom in my own family. Yeah, Matt, you're called to full-time ministry. You've got to cut your budget by half and learn to live on it. You have to not only pay your bills on time, but these three bills have got to be paid off 18 months earlier in order for you to step into full-time ministry. Otherwise we can't do it. My eyes got this big around. I was like, game on. I have to have a hostile pursuit. And you know that me and Cassie were able to financially achieve in 18 months what we hadn't previously in 12 years. And, God made sure he impressed upon us the need to have financial discipline because it needs to be aimed first at the kingdom and then all these things will be added to us. You get that right? Then you're going to pursue it and accomplish it. Not only financial disciplines, but our daily disciplines.
0: See, we're not just reading the Bible as a minimum requirement just because you need to. You're reading the Bible now because you're pursuing divine revelation in your life. See, you're not just saying your spouse's Abigail traits to them, which you should be doing as a daily discipline. You're not just saying your spouse's Abigail traits to them. You're learning the face of your flock and the heart of your herd. See, you're not just carrying stones to find out what you're not supposed to be doing. You're finding the actionable items that cause these scriptures to leap to life in your daily walk with the Lord. See, I'm not doing, I'm not talking about doing, uh, having us fizzle out with some type of feckless faith. You want to pursue with hostile intent every good thing that God puts before you. These daily disciplines must involve the actual, real life, present tangible Spirit of God working in you. You are pursuing Him. You're not just checking something off your list, church. Come on. There's such a difference when we do that. There's such a difference when yeah. we just ask for His help. Lord, I don't know what to do. I'll be honest with you. My wife asked me a lot of good questions. A lot of really good questions. Sometimes I don't know the answer. We're like, I don't know an answer. I will not make up an answer. I'm going to go walk around the block. I will ask Jesus, and He will give me an answer. I'll be back. And then I leave the house and I walk around the neighborhood and I come back and I give her the answer that the Lord gave me instead of just making up something. See, I'm pursuing what he wants for me, not just, uh, i got to come up with an answer. No, I've got to come up with the right answer. And the God of all creation already has it. I just need to ask him and he will share it with me.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking about all this discipline, we can't leave out parenting. There's got to be a hostile intent in pursuing righteousness in our children. A spanking is not a spanking unless it actually gets their in attention and leaves an impression. you got to have hostile intent to change the course of their character. It's got, Yeah, it's got to hurt. That's why God added padding on the backside. But you know, things change though as your kids begin to grow up. That when your youngest begins to reach the teenage years, there, there is a, a lackadaisical attitude. The Lord had to correct my own heart and my own behavior in my household. That I was just getting lazy. I didn't feel like having that same intense hostile, uh, uh, hostile intent towards disciplining my children. I should have been intended to have hostile intent. And that we had to correct behavior that would result in righteousness being a fruit of my children's life. Not partial obedience. See, it's one thing to have a full out defiance from a child. But what do you do when your child partially obeys you and goes off and does something that they really want to do? Do you get up off the couch and go address it? Do you go face to face and deal with the condition of their heart? When a teenager just kind of has a slight roll of the half-moon eyes that you may have saw but not sure, go after it in the name of Jesus. Get after that character. You will save their spouse years of headache. Yes. Get after it. Sow for yourselves righteousness and for their spouse as well. Amen. We're looking forward to the continued growth in your lives as you pursue it and parenting is one of them. Let's deal with the problems now so that we don't have to deal with them then. How about this one? How's your pursuit of holiness? Without
0: holiness, no one can see the Lord. We know that. But I'm not talking about just a basic beginner level of just trying to keep our eyes pure. See, I'm not just talking to uh, young men in the room. I'm actually talking to all of us in the room. How is your pursuit for holiness? Are you, are you able to keep your heart pure before him? Psalm 101 verse 3 says, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. That's just kind of a beginner level of holiness. Holiness will mandate, if you are pursuing holiness, hate evil in every form. You're going to hate it. You're going to love righteousness in every way. You're going to be going after it. You're going to be pursuing this and saying, Lord, it's not clo- it's not good enough that I just get close enough. It's not good enough that I'm just saying the right things, but I have unholy thoughts, unholy desires, unholy wishes on the inside of me.
1: Yeah.
0: See, it's not enough. It's not enough that you can just keep your mouth from uttering evil. You have to have be pursuing holiness and righteousness. See, my holiness... Your holiness can't be defined only by what you don't do. See, were you thinking that when I was talking about holiness? Did, did you lean towards holiness equals what I don't do? Mm. Or were you thinking, what are the holy deeds that I must do? Yeah. See, this is what we've been hammering on and getting at tonight. It can't just be what you are not doing. Your holiness cannot be defined by what you don't do, what you don't look at, what you don't say. Your holiness must be defined by the unending passion that you have towards following God's every command. His every wish, his every desire, his every inkling is the definition
1: of what we must do to be holy. How's your holiness tonight, church? You know what the attitude of pursue it does before God? It tells them, I want everything that you have for me. I want it all. No matter what my losses may be to obtain it, I want everything that you are, Lord. When we say, what are the greatest commands that Jesus quoted? To love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, your neighbor as yourself. That is embedded with a pursuant attitude. No matter what it costs me, I'm going to love the Lord and my God with all my heart, soul, and strength. And my neighbor as myself. One of the last topics on where to have a pursuit attitude is discipleship. We've been on this, man, for quite some time, really ramping up in the One Association. Teaching Talmudim since the One Association conference. But Acts 2, 42-46 list very clearly exactly what are the targets to pursue in discipleship. The very first one is devoting yourselves to the apostles' teaching. Then you have fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer, unity, worship, evangelism. Are you picking and choosing from this list of what you would like to pursue and what you would like not to? I'll devote myself to the apostles' teaching. I'll be at every study. I'll ask questions on Sunday nights. But I completely run away from unity outside the teaching element within the body. I'm not really good at prayer, so uh, I'll back out of that whenever we're in group settings. Every single one of these areas is a mandate and a target for you to pursue. Pursue with all your might. Pursue with all your strength. This is how the early church was built. This is how they got to the point there were great miracles in their midst. This is how the gospel advanced from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And the reason that we're talking about it right now is because that early church had believers who pursued it and did all the things listed in Acts 2.42. Consider Matthew 6.33. Seek
0: first. Pursue first His kingdom. Pursue first his righteousness and the rest of this can be added to you. You've got to have this heavenly pursuit that his testimony might become a part of your life, might become the definition of your life,
1: that his righteous deeds will be seen in your life. Verse 34 says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Amen. A pursuit attitude doesn't fear about tomorrow. It focuses on what the Lord has directed you to pursue today with hostile intent. Pursuing his kingdom, pursuing his righteousness ensures that tomorrow will be taken care of because you're taking care of his priorities today. We have to make it our practice. You have to make it your practice to pursue his kingdom and his righteousness first on a daily basis. Turn with us to 1 Timothy 6.
0: As we begin to prepare for a closing here. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And verse 11. Get it, Annie. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. It says, but you, man of God. Come on, somebody say man of God. Man of God. (laughs) Flee from all this. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. See, there's an action that's required. You've got to flee. You you can't think about the word flee as in what you're not going to do. You actually have to put action. You have to put feet to your faith. You have to flee things like fear. Not just abstain from it. But you have to flee from it. You have to flee worry by pursuing with hostile intent, faithful thoughts, speech, and actions. You have to flee wickedness by pursuing with a hostile intent, holy and righteous deeds. And then what do you do? You pursue godliness and righteousness. You pursue faith and love. You pursue endurance and gentleness. This is what we are supposed to be fleeing because we're pursuing the things of God. Come on, man of God. This is what we have to be doing. Pursuing with an intensity. With a, with a desire, with a drive, with hostile intent that we might achieve what God is
1: putting before us. Oh, look at verse 12. Look at the culmination of when you begin to pursue the very list that Pastor Wade was talking about. Now you got the ability to fight the good fight of faith.
2: Yeah.
1: And m- many of us are trying to fight the good fight of faith without pursuing the very things listed in the verse prior. And when you do have them, when you are pursuing them, you're able to take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you, were, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. One thing we cannot do with this phrase of fight the good fight is make it some lame, lame way of saying that we had a tough day. How are you doing, brother? Oh, just fighting a good fight. No! Does that sound like you're actually fighting a good fight? It's like you're losing a good fight. Yeah. <laughs> Or how about just you actually did have a tough day, you did actually fight through it, but at the end, oh, you know what, got home, got some dinner, I fought the good fight, so I'm going to chill out, watch some Netflix, I'm just going to veg out my mind for a while, because I earned it, I fought the good fight today, no, no, no. There's never a time that we take a break from fighting the good fight. There's never a time that we cease from pursuing righteousness and everything that Paul just listed. Because our lives and other people's lives depend upon it. Let's use our time to pursue it in the name of Jesus. Amen? Come on, somebody say, pursue it. it.
0: We're going to rattle through a few scriptures here that you might understand the word for pursue in the New Testament. Now, it's a little bit tricky because some of these, uh, uh, these translations, you're actually, it's actually going to lessen what it's supposed to be, but we're going to help you to make sure that you pursue it. Romans fourteen nineteen. Let us therefore make every effort. Let us therefore pursue what leads to peace and to mutual edification. We're supposed to go after it with an intensity. Not just make every
1: effort. We're supposed to pursue it with hostile intent. 1 Corinthians 9:24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run, pursue in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Amen. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. We have to have an attitude of pursuing it. First Corinthians 14, one says, follow the way of love.
0: The word that is there in first Corinthians 14, one, underneath follow the way is the same word for pursue it. Follow the way of love. Well, that sounds awful. General, let's just take a nice stroll around the park. You're supposed to pursue it with hostile intent. The actual pathway that love demands of you. That it's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling, but it's a choice to be obedient to what God is saying.
1: It's a choice to engage in what God is saying for you to do right now. Philippians 3.12 Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on. I pursue it. To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Forgetting those battles that I've lost behind and straining towards the battles I will win in the future. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. First Thessalonians 5, five fifteen says, "Make sure
0: that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Always strive, always try to be kind." Is what is what my version says here. Always strive to be kind to each other. You've got to actually pursue this and work at it. It's an intentional
1: thing that you must have. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.22. Young men, y'all know this, work, this verse? Yeah. Flee. Flee the evil desires of the youth. When you turn from evil, you must do good. What does do good looking like for young men or those that struggle with the desires of the youth? Run! Turn and run in the name of Jesus from those evil desires. And what are you running to? Pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call the Lord out of a pure heart. We have to surround ourselves with those that want to seek peace and pursue it. Those that want to turn from evil and do good, resulting in righteousness. Hebrews twelve fourteen. It says, make every effort
0: to live in peace. You're supposed to pursue living in peace with all men and to be holy, both to have shalom and holiness. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord.
1: This is one of the many things that
0: we must pursue.
1: Let's all turn to Revelation 19. We'll start in verse 11. Say, pursue it when you're there. Pursue it. Pursue it. We want to begin to get a clear picture a clear picture of the pursuant attitude that Abram had. And now in Revelation 19, what we see inside the king of kings that is our Lord. Inside the very one who put his divine nature inside of us. And fulfilling that pursuant attitude that we saw in Abram. Verse 11. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and true.
2: Amen.
1: With justice, he judges and he makes war. What are the monikers of his name? Faithful and true. Yeah. You know what he was faithful and true to? Pursuing it. Yeah. You know what he was faithful and true to? Turning from evil, doing good, seeking peace and pursuing it.
0: Look at verse 12. Do you want to know what it should look like if you're pursuing to the level that we're talking about? You should look like Jesus. Here's what he looks like. His eyes are like blazing fire. Amen. What do you have in, the, in your eyes when we look at you? Do we see kind and gentle and soft, doughy eyes? See, what we're actually trying to get is a fire on the inside of you. Yeah. We're trying to get a pursuit that says there is nothing that can stop me. No amount of tiredness, no amount of distraction, no amount of difficulty. See, because I'm expecting those things. I am ready to do this. Look into my eyes. Do you see the fire of Jesus Christ? Because if you are pursuing, you should have the eyes of Christ. On his head are many crowns. He's not just wearing a crown. He's wearing many crowns. You have to understand what we're talking about pursuing it here. This is like an enemy who comes in with the heads of his former kings in his hand and saying, yeah, you're going to be like one of these. But this is the Christ, the risen Savior, the one whose eyes blaze like fire and he's wearing many crowns. What does that mean? There's no enemy that can stand up to him. There's nothing that will get in his way. Everyone who has come before him, he has pursued them and demolished them. He has annihilated them. He is victorious over them. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. Whose blood is it dipped in? The blood of his enemies. And his name is the word of God. This is what you begin to
1: look like as you pursue the way Jesus Christ pursues. Hmm. Verse 14. The armies of heaven were following him. Riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Doesn't this parallel Abram and his 318 trained men? He raised up disciples just like him that had that same pursuant attitude. The very thing that we began to read in verse 11, the king of kings is riding a white horse. And now he has those that are with him, part of his army, riding on white horses as well. That same righteous garb dressed them and able to declare the righteousness of God with a pursuit in intense hostility. Let's go to verse 15. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. Is that gentle or is that hostile? Hostile. Hostile. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. The king that we serve has a pursuant attitude. That fire in his eyes is supposed to be the same fire inside of our souls. And coming to stand on the side of righteousness so that we can be participants with him in judging unrighteousness. Verse
0: 16, on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written. This is awesome. He has the name, this name written. King of kings. And Lord of Lords. See, the name that he carries in this moment in Revelation 19 is saying, I am the king of those who have learned how to pursue it like me. I am the Lord of those who have followed me in everything that I have, whose their eyes blaze like fire because they are imitating me. They have pursued it with the same hostile intent that I have had towards my enemies and towards
1: finding the righteousness of the Father. Let's put up Psalm 3411 on the screen. And begin to stand to our feet. Now we began an early part of this message with Psalm 34, 14. Turn from evil. Do good. Seek peace and pursue it. But we want to pick back up with this, the understanding of verse 11. Come, my children. Listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What I want us to do, as we begin to worship, as we begin to reflect on how this message applies to our own hearts and our own lives, are your ears open? Are you able to listen to what the Lord is addressing in your own heart and mind? The areas where you're not pursuing You're not doing the good that you know you should do because a fear other than the fear of the Lord has been keeping you in bondage and slavery. It's time to throw it off. It's time to let his power, his word, free you from that fear so that you can be free to walk in the fear of the Lord and hear his voice I know many of you guys struggle with hearing from God from time to time when that happens stop stop and ask Lord what is it that I am not doing that you already told me to do what is the good that I know I should do but I'm finding excuses around to not do it because I just don't want to face the fear of losing that battle again let your hearts be circumcised so that you can be free to hear exactly what the Lord is doing and as we continue in verse 12 whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days does that include you? do you want to love life? do you want to see many good fruitful days in the kingdom? well let's go to verse 13 keep your tongue from evil keep your tongue from expressing fear Keep your tongue from faithless speech and your lips from telling lies. That's either telling somebody else or even telling yourself about the realities of what you see in your own fear. The realities of why you can't really pursue it. Throw it away. Let it be circumcised away so that your ears can hear what God is actually telling you. Yes, you can pursue it. Yes, you can do the good I'm asking you to do. Verse 14. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Last verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their cry. When we let our hearts become circumcised, begin to pursue righteousness, seek the Lord, our ears open up. We begin to obey and do the good things that he's told us to do. Now the cries that come out of our heart, his ears can hear And we have heaven and all of its majesty and power on our side because we are on God's side. Nick and if you come down, begin to close us in prayer. We're going to worship. Let's take this time to get our hearts right so that we can have fruitfulness in the kingdom. Amen?
2: Father, we know we know mighty god we know there are places that we are not pursuing father but with all of our heart lord we want to pursue you with all of our heart mighty god we want to live a life that pleases our king that pleases our father we pursue you tonight father lord god we kneel before your altar tonight lord jesus and we say lord god help us to have a heart that does not get tired and weary of doing good father we want to reap a harvest of righteousness lord god father we know that as you enable us to pursue you with a whole heart lord god with all of our desires with everything that we have father that you would allow our lives to be fruitful for you lord jesus would you produce something with us Would you help us, mighty God? Would you help the product of our lives and of our family, Lord God, to be something for your kingdom? Lord God, help the product, Lord God, of our children to be something for you, Father. Lord, we pursue you tonight, Lord God. Give us the strength and the courage to stand before you, Lord God, with a full heart going after you in Jesus' name.